Welcome to Shore Stories, the podcast that covers business opportunities and nearshoring in Latin America. It's early 2024, as I say these words, and the keywords that I'm hearing everywhere are reduce burn, become profitable, don't go crazy with your expenses. But how do you do that while still growing your business, servicing new clients, and building new products? Nearshoring is an answer. And many of you have been looking down south of the border for options. Mexico specifically has become rather popular. So it is my great pleasure to be chatting with Manuel Martinez. So Manuel is the general manager of Better Cloud in Mexico City. Better Cloud, for you who do not know, is a SaaS company. It's based in New York. And they've always had U.S. staff exclusively. Now, this is for over a decade. However, last year, they opened an office in Mexico City, and it's been growing super quickly. So with Manuel, we do a bit of a deep dive. We look at why Mexico City? How did they choose it? What were some of the legal issues they had to deal with? What sort of initial team did they need to hire? How do they get the machine up and running? And lots of other stuff too. Feel free to jump in through the chapters if you want to look at a specific topic. Manuel is from Spain, but he moved down to Mexico City with his family to open the office. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Manuel. I'm really happy to have you. So before we get started, happy to be here. Thanks. I'd love to just start a little bit from the beginning. Now you were a better cloud for, you've been a better cloud for a while, probably mm -hmm. before Mexico was even yeah. a thought. I'd love to hear at what point did you guys sit down and think, okay, let's open an office in Mexico. What was the thought? What was the thought process in the company about that? So I've been with the company for over five years now. It was five years, like 10 days ago. And actually, I'm a lawyer by training. So I was the general, I'm still the general counsel of the company, although most of the legal work is now done by a team I have in the US. But yeah, for the company was founded now 12 years ago. So 20, October of 2011. And for the first 11 years, we only had offices in the, or presence in the US. Um, and then... Last year, June of last year, we got a new majority investor in Vista, which is a private equity that is very focused on uh, technology companies, and they do yeah. a good job with technology companies. And when looking at us, they said, hey, most of our portfolio companies have some type of product and technology office outside of the U.S. We've seen it work very well. You find really good talent. So if you look into this. So we start a whole diligence process. And actually, it was funny. Mexico was not in our first list of finalists. It was like a dark horse. It was in the expanded list, but not in the list of finalists. So the first three finalists we had were Argentina, Poland, 
Ireland. Okay. And then we started looking very closely into all of them, and we started discussing them one by one. We said Argentina is amazing for talent, and I'm yeah. sure you know this very well. Really good yeah. English skills, a lot of good software developers, very used to working with companies in the U.S. Problem with Argentina is that bringing money into Argentina, taking money out of Argentina, yes. legal uncertainty. It's a tough country from a legal and financial perspective. So we yes. discussed Argentina. We look into Poland. Poland, again, really good English skills, really good software developers, but the problem was the war in Ukraine, right? We, we thought opening an office in the country next door to a war doesn't seem like it these days. So we discarded oh, Poland. And then we look into Ireland, good English, really good software developers. The problem with Ireland, this talent person, is that it's all, the, the market is very saturated. Google, Meta, everybody has like big offices there. Talent is getting very expensive. There's a lot of work for talent. So we thought we're not that type of player. We're not Google. We're not Meta. So we should. So Mexico emerged as like dark horse. And we said, we started looking closer to Mexico and we realized time zone, it's amazing. Right? It's basically the same time zones as the US. Although with this weird decision, I don't know which makes it weird, the US are here, of not doing daylight savings in Mexico this year. Everybody's very confused after this weekend. Yes, I know I about this. And I am. Is it modern time? Is it central time? Is Yes. It's, yeah. But it's still, they're all within uh, U.S. Zone, time zones. Yeah. Then the travel time is, is no matter where you are in the U.S., getting to Mexico City is not more than, I think San Francisco might be longest, so it's four and a half, five hours. So it's a pretty easy flight. The airport here, even though Chilangos don't like their airport, I think it's great. It takes no time to do stuff here. Immigrate, yeah. security, customs all the time. stuff pretty quick. And then talent, right? You have UNAM which has 300,000 students. And I think they have thousands of students every year, computer engineering degrees. And then you have the tech in Monterrey. So a lot of really good universities and a lot of companies doing what we're doing. So there's a good amount of talent. So we realized that combination is a really good combination. And then a few of the companies in the portfolio already were in Mexico or looking into Mexico. So we talked to them, said, yeah, let's do Mexico. See the right place to open the office. Actually, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Did you do look at Guadalajara versus Mexico City versus Monterey as well? Was that a, a decision? We did look, uh, definitely look between Guadalajara and, um, and Mexico City. I don't think we consider Monterey that um, seriously. When we dug deeper, we saw that uh, traditionally Guadalajara had been central for the tech, like the San Francisco, Silicon Valley of Mexico, yeah. but that Mexico City was emerging very quickly to get to the same level or surpass them based purely on population, amount of university talent being the center where the government is located. And also, so that was, I think we, we decided Mexico City because of that. And and also they offered me if you want to go. And I said, oh, yeah. yeah. Mexico City, I would definitely consider going. But I'm sure I would move to Guadalajara. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Mexico City. Not, not this city, but not as big as an international as Mexico City. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I also, I think for me too, Guadalajara is like my second choice. If I had to live somewhere outside of Mexico City, Guadalajara, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Monterey and no offense to anybody from that area, but that is not the place I would want to live in. It's like yeah. the least, yeah, it's like all the worst parts of the U.S., but in Mexico. Um, but yeah, no, Mexico City is, yeah, obviously a good place to want to just, so you basically decided all that. Mexico City is the place. And so it's, it's interesting. This, so this, this private equity company that ended up investing in you guys, 
gave you a hint, like nudged you in that direction. Did they provide you a playbook for like, all right, here's how we yeah. do it. Um, they gave you that, that information. Yeah. So they have, Vista is known for having a, a bunch of best practices. Yeah. And like a consulting arm. I think it was like a McKinsey or a Bain for yeah. their own portfolio companies. And they have folks that are experts on opening offices outside of the, in other locations. So we did get that help. And we also, which was very helpful, but was, I would say even more helpful was the connection with other portfolio companies that were going through the same thing we are going. So they have Drift, Salesloft, Solera, Tiger Connect. Those are four companies from the portfolio that also have Mexico offices. Yeah. So I was connected to their legal people, to their finance people, to their HR people. I was like, okay, when you're doing this, this accounting, like our controller was, when you do this, how do you do the transfer pricing? And they're like, oh, this is what we do. And, and then it, was, it, it went both ways, right? We introduced them to our accountants, to some of them. And they're like, oh, that's great. Let's use your accountant. So it's a way of sharing information and knowledge so you don't feel alone, like you have to figure everything out yourself because other people yeah. have done it or are doing it at the same time you are doing it. So that didn't make it. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine it's daunting, especially from, you have to find the talent, but then also like the compliance stuff and like making sure that you are not going like completely out of the world of legality with yeah, the hiring and how you're paying them and all that stuff. One of the first decisions you have to make is, do you want to open your own entity or do you want to use some partners? Some people will hire like third parties, will then contract with you. We decided we wanted to do our own entity work Hey, based on advice from our board, is every time they've seen it from a partner, then it gets messy when you want to do your own thing, when mm. you scale. We knew we were going to scale quickly. So we, it, took, it takes longer because it took us like three, four months to incorporate the entity, get our tax number, get our social security, whatever, immigration. Uh, but once we did it, it's way better, in my opinion, for um, recruiting because folks want to work for you. For yeah. They don't want to work for third party that contracts with better cloud even though they branded or whatever it's not the same they don't feel yeah. as part of the team and then from a compliance perspective once you've done the setting it's much it's way smoother and then we were lucky to have our partners like you right we when we're looking to start to recruit we you don't know what you don't know you need compensation bonds do you know what's the market what's the english requirement is it okay to ask for that people have a visa to go to the u.s so talking to folks like you was super helpful when we started actually hiring. It was April-ish. Yeah. Mid, late April. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we did what we can to try to get you that, that kind of information. Yeah. Actually, that's super interesting to just to go back and look at the timeline for all this, just so people understand like when all this happened. So yeah. you basically made this, like this decision of, all right, Mexico City, that was that, when was that? That was right pr prior to Thanksgiving. And then... Okay. We started the work after Thanksgiving. We start. We got the law firm to start helping us get incorporated. We were incorporated by the end of January. That's the longest. That's the the, the thing that takes the longest because there's all this know your customer money laundering type things in Mexico where they ask yeah. for a lot of documentation from our CEO. It was like insane from him, from his wife, from the investors. But they asked oh. for a lot of work to oh, make okay. sure you're basically funded by terrorist or drug cartels or whatever. So yes, you have legit investors behind you. Yes. I think it's new. It started like last year or two years ago. 
So we were done with that by the end of January. And then from there, it moved pretty quickly. We started getting our tax number, our social security number. I got my immigration registration so I could get my visa. And then I think we were able to hire or have people in payroll by the end of April. So we started hiring some type, because it takes obviously weeks to hire someone. We start the process of uh, hiring early April, I think. I remember got you. And then we got our first employees to start with us in May 5th. And then since then, from there to now, we now have 44 and three more that will start. So we will be almost 55, 60 by the end of the year. We should. That's incredible. So you guys really scaled at a very rapid clip. Yes. No, that's great. And I can only imagine the cost savings versus having the equivalent 55 employees in New York or SF or wherever. Pretty, pretty. Yes, I can, I can only imagine. So those first employees, I think that's interesting too. When you look at, because you obviously there's a legal side and the compliance side and the admin side. And then, okay, I'm going to set up, like I have to hire the first people. The goal is to be a tech and product office or that is the goal. So who are you, who are your first, maybe not three, but let's say three to five. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great question. Is that it's super important that team to get it right to be set for success. So what we did is we were focusing on a recruiter to because we had to hire a lot very quickly. Yeah, we needed to someone to partner with the agencies like yourself and then to recruit in house. Yeah, be an HR person because again we want to scale very quickly and you need someone to deal with all the HR compliance here, which is. More intense than in the U.S. Yeah. C, and I'll explain why, an IT per, IT engineer person, and this is because we wanted to have an in-office culture. We wanted to be three days a week in the office. We thought this was very important to bring the culture and the values from the U.S. and to create our own culture and values in Mexico. And it's been amazing. You know, there's a lot of debate between remote and hybrid and full-time in the office. We thought this these three days a week has worked wonders for us. The culture, unity, the, the love between the team members, yeah. is, it's amazing. And then the fourth role, super, super important, our director of engineering, right? the, the person that was going to be the most senior engineer, that's the most senior engineer in the ground in Mexico. So those were the four first roles we hire. And then from there, we start hiring a bunch of engineers, right? full stack engineers and, and product people. But we wanted to have those four. And it's interesting, those came between May 15, I think the four of them started. Yes. And then we did not hire anybody else until beginning of July. So we had a month and a half where these four were working on, okay, what is the plan to hire all these people? How are we going to have all the HR staff in place? What is the director of engineering? What he thinks the team should be organized? And then we were ready to press the gas. And then in July, August, September, October, those four months, we hired the other 40 people. Got you. So really it's, it's the higher, like the senior hiring manager, the director of engineering, and then, yeah. And then the people team that is responsible, that basically makes sure that the pipeline, yeah, the pipeline machine just runs. Like people are getting pushed through processes and getting offer letters and all that stuff. And then the, I, so the other two, there's an IT person and the, this culture person. HR. I see the HR person was responsible for, yeah, I see, like creating a 
want to say real culture, but yes, making sure you're more than just like a bunch of random people. Yeah. Basic. Got you. What was the IT person for? To set up the office, right? Like okay. You, you have a physical office. You need. So he's been. He's actually. He's, he's amazing. His name is Damian, and he's done an amazing work setting us for success in the computers, making sure Google Hangouts, Zoom, all that stuff works. When you're in an office, it's pretty key that stuff works. So he's actually been super helpful to us. And then quickly thereafter, in July, mid-July, beginning of August, we brought two engineering managers. Mm -hmm. Realized we hired so many people. We also need the people to interview these people. And yes. they're going to be managers for all these people. So you need to put the managers. And then once we have that structure, we start bringing a bunch of uh, junior engineers. Yeah. It worked out very well to the point that Two weeks ago, we had a class where we had 13 people starting at the same time. It was crazy. Um, wow. It was, it was pretty cool. No, that's awesome. So basically, you're just, yeah, you're just building out the org. And then once you have the, I guess, the skeleton, you can just, you can just build it out much easier. That sounds, yeah. So that's, sounds like it's been very successful. What were, would I suppose you would agree? I, those numbers are very good for such a short period of time. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, shock as to how good they are. I had my doubts we were going to be able, because the board and the CEO were pressing, hey, we need to make sure we hire at, at a fast clip. We need to hire X number of people per week. And I was like, let's not like just math. Yeah. But it worked out really well. The, again, partnering with you guys has been super successful. The internal recruiters, Anna, Fer, Melissa have killed it. Very strong team. So yeah, the board, at the last board meeting, they were like, wow, this is might be the fastest we've seen one of these offices scale. So yeah, no, I can I agree. I know several companies have done this, but the speed at which you've done it is yeah, it's pretty incredible. But it sounds like the structure needs to be there. Otherwise, the wheels could fall off mm -hmm. and candidates just start disappearing or completely. Yeah, and then when they join, you want to make sure they know what they have to do. You just don't want them. If you hire too quickly without the structure, then people come and they're like, okay, and what am I, I'm hired, but what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The onboarding, yeah, you know, the enablement, and they are clear on their goals and their objectives. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's a good point. It's been so successful. Are you guys thinking of opening up to more than just tech and product? Are there ideas of like bringing more people yeah. to Mexico? Well, there's a few other roles that, that we're hiring for, not at the scale that we're doing engineering, but, but we have had a few people left and live in the U.S. and we're like, okay, let's try and backfill it in Mexico and see how that goes. Yeah. So we're starting to hire for those now. We don't have yet any of those per se, but we are hiring, we're hiring for an accountant, for example, because- Like a U.S. accountant in Mexico. We will do both. Okay. I've been working in Mexico, but it will help with the stuff in the U.S. We're looking into a graphic designer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That we're, that we're looking here. Yeah, I assume that if you have people, like you have a setup in Mexico, you might as well rise. And it's not, it's not, you've already done the investment of, of, of setting it up. So what's been, has there been any like real difficult parts in growing this and hiring people? Has there been any massive challenges that you've hit? Because so far, it's all very positive. Massive challenges? No. There's some roles that are harder than others. Yeah. I would say it's interesting. The junior roles, level one, level two, we've had, we've been super successful, super quick, super good people. The managers, 
again, super good people. We hire them very quick. Where it gets a little harder is the more the software developers that are more senior, but still individual contributors. Mm. I think there's a sense for those guys or, or girls that, hey, I'm very good at what I do. I don't have to go to, and I think that's not Mexico. That's us having an office requirement, right? And yeah. those guys or girls thinking, I'd rather code from my house or from Playa del Carmen or from Puerto Escondido or whatever. Why do I have to go to an office when I'm going to, it's the market here in, the, in Mexico is doing better than in the U.S. for tech, for software developers right now. So like we have offers. So we struggle a little more with this role. We hire really good people, but it's taking us longer. And then the same with, which is not uncommon in the U.S. also with QA or estates. Yeah. Uh, that's also been, a, that's also a role where we're still actively, actively hiring for two folks and it's taking us way longer than for the other roles. So there's certain roles that are definitely tougher. Yeah. But that's part of, that's part of the recruiting game. I don't know. There's, it's not, there are, yeah, it's senior ICs are often some of the harder people to, they're difficult to recruit for, especially if you've made the decision to do an in-office in because they, it, you have to convince them as to why, you know what I mean? You have to ask, you have to tell them like, there's a reason that you have coming into the office is beneficial for you in some way. I think a junior, that's not really hard to convince. And then a manager is, I'm going to have a team. So I should, I need to be there to. I just like, like people. Right? That, that's yeah, they thing. like people. Yeah. Around the same people. With their team. Yeah. It's, it's the ones so, who are like, I'm just coding. I know how to do this. I don't need to like my hand held all the time. But I think it's really interesting what you guys did because you did make a conscious decision to go down a route of, because a lot of companies go down a slightly different route where they're a little bit more, we're just going to hire people remotely. It's physically remote. We might not even set up any kind of legal structure. We might just pay people like as contractors and like in dollars and then they can do their own thing. You guys, I think have done the, opposite where it's like we're going to create like our own subsidiary in mexico with an office and with with in office requirements all that kind of stuff do you i assume you have no do you have any thoughts about one versus the other yeah i yeah because we evaluated both routes and it's funny there were obviously there's pros and cons and there was a lot of discussion internally this was all back in october november and it was actually a work one of our board members who I was always a proponent of doing it this way, but there were different voices, very valid voices. But she told us in the board meeting, she said, you're going to do this and you're going to scale as much as we want to scale at the speed you want to do it. You better do it the most, for lack of a better word, kosher way. Yeah. And do it the way that people are going to feel they're part of the team, they're part of the company, they're part of the culture. Because this way, there's no... Mexico office or US office, everybody's the same. Everybody has the same setup. There's no second class citizen type thing because everybody's a member of Better Cloud. It's not that you work, you're a contractor or you work for yeah. a, a third party that then works for Better Cloud. No, you are a part of Better Cloud. So, for in order to bring the culture, the values, create that uh, cohesion between the US and Mexico, it's way better. Obviously, it takes longer, it might be more expensive. But we, we feel the, the pros outweigh the cons, and, and we're very happy. When I see the culture here and the, the way people behave, I think we're very happy with the decision. 
Yeah. You also have been at Better Cloud for so long that you have a very good idea of what the office is like in the U.S. And so you can as replicate so we were, here. We were a very in-office culture before pandemic in the U.S. Like it was okay. Monday, Friday, almost nobody did remote work. And then pandemic, obviously everybody went home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those years before pandemic, I remember them as the happiest times. It was like yeah. such amazing vibe in the office, such amazing the people there was so much love that we, that's what we've tried to replicate here. I think it is working very well. It, it really reminds me of those years uh, back before pandemic. Yeah, I can imagine. There is, I, I know people love to talk about remote work and how amazing it is, but there is something to be said about like an office environment, people working together, especially it's cool that you guys are offering all these opportunities to junior engineers as well. Like in Mexico, junior engineers, I guess this is the case in a lot of places, but I would say, especially the case in countries like Mexico, there's not as many opportunities to work like in-house in a U.S. company, like learning and that kind of stuff. And so that's, yeah, that has to be, that has to be pretty cool. And also I can imagine you're a lawyer, so you probably, probably took this to heart, but the idea of paying people as contractors full-time. There's this weird, I don't know if it's like a black hole or a loophole, or it's a kind of like thing that doesn't, it's like people do stuff in Mexico that w in the U.S. would be illegal. Like you can't pay somebody a contractor and have them work full-time for you. I, you. I think it's a very gray area that may get you into trouble. So definitely my legal radar is not. Yeah, like, I can imagine. That, that, that doesn't like, like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I still deal with that a little bit. A lot of companies do it. I suppose if you're like tr a bigger company and you're like, I don't know, hope for some exit event or some kind of thing where somebody is going to audit you a little yeah. more seriously, that's the kind of situation where you're like, oh, you have 50 people that work for you full time and you just pay them. Yeah, but it's weird because it's not like they're in the US, so it's not like the uh, they're not getting taxed, but it's like this kind of gray. It's, uh, it's interesting because when I started because we sit all together and I hear the recruiters, the first calls the recruiters were doing when I moved here, and many to, they were telling to many of the employees, hey, we pay you 100% under payroll. And I'm like, what is there any other options? Isn't that, because I guess companies are like, yeah, we put 50% in payroll, they pay taxes, and then the other 50% they pay under the table. Yes. Oh, my yes. Oh. That, I learned that as well. When I first started recruiting in Mexico, they were like, is this 100% nomina? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess they're going to pay you like, they're going to pay you this, your money in the same, like in the same way. And then it's, oh yeah, like I'm going to get, I'm not going to get 20% as a real employee and then 80%. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of very weird shenanigans that exist, that exist. Yeah. There's very cool things about Mexican employment law, right? Called Aguinaldo. People get more money in this. Oh yeah, yeah. I find it I find it very, very, this is coming from an American perspective, but it's paternalistic. They're like, it's going to be Christmas time and you it's obviously don't have enough money to buy you know, your things because you didn't save up money during the year. So here's extra money to buy Christmas gifts. And then the other one that's the most paternalistic is the vales de despensa. Yes. But you're yes. like, you're like, money. yeah, it's like your company, like your big daddy company is going to give you money to buy, so you buy your groceries. It's like you worked at a, it reminds me a little bit of, you know how like in, in West Virginia, back in the day, in mines, they would give you just money to go buy stuff at the mining. Yeah, exactly. And they had this kind of, should you just pay people enough that they buy their own groceries? But whatever, it's 
I it's I I know it's a thing. I, I love it. <laughs> it's it has a bit of a European thing because in France they do it, and I think in Spain they have yeah, it. Too. Yeah. It's like a very we're going to take care of you. In the American in me is no like people can just figure the shit out themselves like adult. But anyway, cool. So I'd love to finish off with just hearing what's next for Better Clouds. But like clearly everything seems to be working pretty well. Are you guys obviously? keep on growing in Mexico? Have you thought about doing multiple offices in Latin America or yep. focus on this one? What's the plan? So we, we definitely keep growing in Mexico, not at, at this clip we've done this year, but we are going to keep growing. And as you and I discussed, I think other outside of product and engineering, other roles will be higher here. So that's going to be cool. We are going to move to a more permanent office in February. So we're excited about that. We'll get like a full floor just for us. So that's going to be cool. Other countries, I think the idea is while we can still get talent, enough talent here, why spend the time and money in other jurisdictions? This one gives us what we need, right? So once we tap the talent here, but I think we're far from that. It will be more potentially, should we have an, an office in Guadalajara or in Querétaro or, or yeah. some like very smaller thing because we find talent there. But I think for now, Mexico is giving us it's giving us what we want and we're very happy. We'll yeah, do. I agree. It's, you probably don't want to do the same thing that you did with Colombia this time, like all the Colombian labor I, I, law. I, 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 heard, I heard very good things about Colombia. It's a, it has a, there's a lot of talented people, but I think the process for setting up a company and all that kind of stuff is on par with Mexico. If you want to do that, yeah. I assume you don't want to do that every year when you open up an what, what I was What I was amazed is the immigration process here, at least as a U.S. citizen, is very easy. Oh, yes. It's a no problem, right? Blah, 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 letter, okay. They yep. take your picture, blah, blah. Within the day, I go to the place, and then I, I come out with my visa. No, yeah, no. Compared to the U you're right. So we people like to talk about Mexican bureaucracy. The immigration part is nothing compared to the U.S. And nothing. It's very easy. You do a day of seven hours of lines, but once you're done with that, you're yeah, that's it. All right. Well, that's the end of the interview. Thank you so much, Manuel. Is there anything else or anything anywhere we could find you or anything that listeners should do? No. Well, thank you so much. This was a real pleasure. You can. If you want to know more about BetterCloud? Just go to BetterCloud.com. And then if you want to find me, come to uh, Condesa in Mexico City. I'll host you. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. And feel free to follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn and uh, follow Short Stories as well. Please uh, like and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use. And above all, continue to listen.